Hello, and welcome to Avon on the Air, bringing you conversation that's always lively, sometimes provocative, and never afraid to ask the question, what really happens between the covers of an Avon romance? I'm your host, Lucia Macro, and today I'm speaking with Kathy Maxwell, the New York Times bestselling author of The Fairest of Them All. Hi, um, Lucia. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm really happy to talk with you. <laughs> It's been a while, which um, it's it's too bad, but I'm really glad you're here at Avon on the Air right now. Thank you. Thank you. This is fun. It will be fun. So it's this... like being in New York, but not in New York. <laughs> you might have better weather than we have uh, today in New York. You know, I'm sure we do. It's glorious here in Virginia. Oh, gosh. And today, I mean, this will air at some point later, um, but this particular day in, in early April... Um, it's it's raining and in some places it's snowing. So, you know, I'm a little jealous of you down there in Virginia. I know, really. That's why we move south. I know. <laughs> if only they could move us all south, like Lock, Stock, and Publishing Company. It might be a little little easier on us somewhat. <laughs> so, um, the fairest of them all. We talk about this a little bit. This is the second second book in your Marrying the Duke series. Yes, it is. Oh, oh, good. I got it. I was like nervous for a second there. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the second because the first was Match of the Century. Right. Okay. Great. And this is well. Tell us a little bit about you know marrying the Duke and who the Duke is and why he needs well, to. Well, you know, get it's interesting, Lucia, because you're pro- you're you're part of the reason for the whole series. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, as you know, as my as my editor, right. you had asked me. You said um, I had been writing books set in Scotland. Oh yes, and I do want to talk about Scotland a little bit later, but um... yeah, but I, I do I do like that. And you said to me, "Is it possible that you could come back to London?" Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Well, yeah, I can do that." <laughs> and then you said to me, "And do you think you could write a Duke?" And I thought, "Well, I could do that, but I wanted to write just not, you know." Here's a duke, right? And uh, he's duking around, and everybody wants to marry him. I wanted to add my own little twist. To okay. It. So the theme of the the theme of the whole series is marrying the duke, and the question is: is you know, is it really that easy for a duke to marry? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is. I mean, we all think they've got it made. You know, it's like the 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 most popular kids in school are the best looking <laughs> ones, right? <laughs> You know, the quarterback of the football team is better than the fullback, and so on, and no one wants to date a soccer player. (laughs) You know, this sort of thing. So so sitting there and thinking about this whole idea, and um, so I started off with the Duke being betrothed to the first one in in, um, Match of the Century, and then, of course, there are some things that happen there. We can can talk about that book, too, but then we come to Ferris of of them all, and, you know, and the Duke just falls for this heavenly beautiful creature, Lady Charlene. Mm-hmm. She comes into his, his sights and he is like, whoa, this is it. I want this woman. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but nothing's ever as easy as it should be. Exactly. How many times have we looked at someone and said, well, I'd like to have some of that, and then found out that's really not a good idea. <laughs> That might be the story of my life. We <laughs> <laughs> both, yes, I know. Just glimpses. We just get glimpses right. of how about some of that. And that's what happens to him. But sure, Charlie- well, you know that's that's part. And Ferris of all is about you know his um, his courtship for Lady Charlene, mm-hmm. and um, she, Lady Charlene has got a double life. 
I was going to say, she's a little down on her luck. Might be a way yes, to put it. Yes, she is. Yeah. You know, and that's what we want. We all want to be damsels in distress who are rescued by billionaires and Dukes. whatever. <laughs> right. We have no more worries, nothing. But, you know, that's not, that's not very much fun. That's a little too easy. Um, and so, and so part of it, you know, she, here she is. So she's, she's a plucky type of gal and she's decided that she's going to carve her own way. And the best way of doing that is, uh, picking pockets. Right. Because isn't that what every lady should do? I know. <laughs> she should be a thief. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? Why not? And well, it's a, and it was a lot of fun. The whole book was a lot of fun. I, I think that we are all at our best when we can laugh at ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly believe that love is the is, is what makes life worth living, and uh, I just had a I had a really wonderful time writing the book. I just it was just it was like well let's try this idea and off we go and and the characters were really uh, happy to come with me. So uh, it's 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 a take on 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 Regency England and on all those dukes, but it's also a take on what really do we need to make us human. And what is the true value of love? And I think it's interesting in this. I mean, he doesn't, I don't know, I don't think I'm giving a lot away when I say he doesn't end up with Charlene. Am I giving too much away? Well, it's a three-book series. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, he doesn't. But there's a couple of mysteries that have to be solved. He had a missing brother, a mm-hmm. twin brother, uh, who is going to make an appearance in the book. And um, and I just, like I said, I had a great time writing about it. I think the Regency time period is probably just so enjoyable to write because many of the modern ideas that we accept today all have their roots during that time period. And especially in this country, um, mm-hmm. we, we don't write a lot about American history. I know. But I in think this book, it gave me the opportunity to bring in what was going on on the American side, and that was great fun. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's very interesting as an as an editor and as a fan of of romances and historical romances. I will read about England and you know like until the cows come home and even though I'm fascinated by American history and know a lot of it in a sort of a more like eggheady I was a history minor kind of way in college. Well, now we know. Yeah, I just yeah. I I will just read about it. I, there's like this endless fascination with with um I don't know the English aristocracy and just kind of what went you know like what went on over there then and, and well it, the ins and outs the everyday lives mm-hmm. fascinate me you know I love the idea of thief takers which are what our bounty hunters are mm-hmm. uh, I just love that idea right um, it just you know it just I it just captures my imagination and just the different ways that they were looking at things that it turns out on the other side of the ocean we were too right. No, it's 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 very interesting, and I was, and I also think it's very interesting. Um, although it does come a little bit into play with this particular book, I mean, not in a heavy-handed way, but so often what's going on in the background of of Regency society, and to a degree Victorian society, for people who read and love Victorian set novels, is there was a lot of war going on that's hardly ever mentioned. Um, or if it is, it's mentioned in sort of a very ancillary way. But it it does kind of come a, a little bit more into play, I think, in, in this book. 
So well, I think I, you know, to to get really geeky, I'm I'm fascinated with um, how communication traveled. Oh yeah, because it would take weeks mm-hmm. for a letter to go. You know, someone that you are close to could die, and you might not know for another month. Right. Uh, even more sometimes. So I, I'm always fascinated by you know when I hear about dispatches that Wellington would send, mm-hmm. and how you know the Parliament had already passed other things. Um, Right now, um, in the book I'm working with now, I'm dealing with the money bill and the House of Commons. These are really geeky things that, you know, but, but they're also, they're also pertinent to what we're going through right now. That's uh, because, true. because it's a part of government. And, and, uh, that's what the peerage is about. Peerage is about governing the country. Um, that's, these were, these were many, these were many, these are men of honor. Mm-hmm. They came from great houses. They had fought for great ideas mm-hmm. for centuries, and so that weighs in on the whole time period at, at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. No, and I think it's interesting because it's the whole idea too of you you inherit that, and then what do you what do you do with all of this that you inherit? You inherit land and responsibility, and you basically inherit your role in the government. Um, on on that side, I mean, there was a House of Commons, but there was a House of Lords, and some of them were good at it, and some of the, some of them weren't so good at it. But also, remember, in the Regency, the middle class is taking root. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, the self-made man right. is becoming interesting. Yes. Um, you know, and and there were some, and there were there were, and there were some wonderful characters. I mean, there were some incredible characters. And the society is more fluid. Um, they liked rascals. They liked scoundrels. Um, people would do sideshows with electricity, oh. like like making frogs twitch, things like that. <laughs> things like that. You know, you know, yeah. a dead frog, and oh, look at twitch! And <laughs> the next thing you know, somebody's putting out money trying to invest in this this invention to make a frog twitch. And, you know, there's all these little ins and outs that I just uh, that you know, just tell me that as humans we haven't changed that. No, much. we haven't changed that much. And I think the whole idea of marrying, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but. This is the time period where the whole idea of marrying for love really comes back into the forefront, correct? At least to a certain degree. Maybe well, I think I think there always has been the idea of marrying for love, mm-hmm. except if you had a great deal of money involved, <laughs> right? And then if you had an heiress or you had um, a daughter who you valued and who you hoped would carry on your line and everything else, then you became very particular about who she married. Now, I have two daughters, and I can say that, you know, when it came time for them to go out into the world and marry, I was thinking that arranged matches weren't such a bad idea. (laughs) Because we sit down and we say, you know, what's their family like, and, you know, is he going to be a good provider, Mm -hmm. all these different things that that we ask ourselves that, we don't ask ourselves when we're in the process of falling in love. No. <laughs> but does come into play later. Sooner or later, sooner or it later. hits us all. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is sooner or later. <laughs> right. And I think that's where it's not the, it's, it, you know, it's not the, the social mores that, that captivate me about romance. It's the emotion. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I'm fascinated with. And things that if I were to write a contemporary would seem a little bit harsh and dreary to me, but when I put it back in history and write about it, it becomes light and fun, and I, I gain a bit of perspective on it. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, that's one of the values, I think, of reading historicals. I just, I, you know, I just, I think they're, you know, they're meant to be uh, entertainment. 
Absolutely. And, and they are meant to be fun. And your books are known for being a lot of fun. But I also think they don't shy away from dealing with those, those, moments of, those moments of heartbreak or those moments of, you know, having to make hard decisions when it comes, when it comes to love. So it's, you have this, like, amazing balance of everything is really fun, but then there's always, like, those, those, those like, obstacles, as you say, that people have to face and overcome. Yeah. And and I think there's those moments when when you have to ask yourself, "Am I making the right decision?" Mm-hmm. That um, and sometimes the people that we love the most are the ones that get on our last nerve. <laughs> I remember one of my first books I wrote. Someone someone had told me they said you write such a funny book, and I I went back and I was reading what it is they thought was funny, and I realized. To the characters, that's not funny. Right. They're in the they're knee deep into this argument, and it is not funny. But to those of us who are privy to what's going on, mm-hmm. you know, it's we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's funny. Mm-hmm. There's been many a time when I look back and I think, why did I, why did I pick that argument? Well, <laughs> what was going through my head? And then I can, you know, I can laugh. Those are some of the. At least my children can laugh. My children have great fun. Going, do you remember the time mom did this? Yes. Yes, I do remember that, kid. <laughs> and who drove me to it? You. <laughs> you That's kids, right. you. <laughs> exactly right. But I think that's the, I think that's, I, I think in, that's the joy of romance, because I do believe that who we love and how well we are loved in return is the only true measure of a well-lived life. Wow. I really do believe that. And so I'm surprised when people will say they don't understand why romance novels are so popular. And that tells me a lot about the person. Yes. Because, because to me, I'm thinking, well, of course, why not write about this great emotion? Right. Why not about, write about the interaction of, of people who are trying to figure out if they want to make a commitment to each other. That's, that's the joy of life. That's the most basic element, is that in, in the end, we sit down and we say, who did I love? Mm-hmm. I know, and I always get perplexed when people, I mean, I don't know, it's so, it is so easy for people to um, dismiss uh, the whole genre because it deals, I mean, because it deals with emotions and because it deals with love and because it deals with romance. And I'm never, I, I never, I, I'm with you. I never quite understand that. It just Well, maybe it's because they think that love is easy. <laughs> you know? They, I, they, I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of people who think it's, um, I remember reading a movie critic. He was writing about the movie Pretty Woman, which is one of the most successful movies mm-hmm. of two decades. And he said he didn't understand why it was so popular because, after all, it was just a little love story. Oh, my goodness. And I thought, um, it was surprising. It was a surprising statement to me, but I thought, there are people out there, people who are in really great, committed relationships, who don't realize how blessed they are. Right. I agree. And it is what, you know, people... I mean, it is what people are looking for and questing for their whole lives. So, and yet it is so easy to dismiss it. It's, they should read more romance novels. 
is my well, advice I think to I, them. You know, that certainly has helped me, and I've, I've, had, I've even had my uh, daughters come up to me and say, you know, later on they'd say, you know, um, I was reading this book, and let's talk about this section. I'm not really certain what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been really fun to sit down and, and realize that what I'm writing is going to be, you know, really I'm writing my, my little manifesto of what I think, I truly believe, mm-hmm. that's going to be passed on to my grandchildren and my grandchildren's grandchildren and mm-hmm. until they make the movie after I've been gone a hundred years. <laughs> and then hopefully, you know, Lucia will put a little credit to you and her editor. <laughs> that in I'll there be like the, the little footnote. <laughs> that's right. And it, and the great great grandkids will be patting themselves on the back that that they were related That's to. That's right. I, I can't wait. I, I can't wait. Think it'll be great. Yes. It'll be well deserved. <laughs> I just wish I was going to be there, but I can't wait. <laughs> I used to tell I tell them I wanted a um, I wanted a movie made of of one of my books. That's what I wanted, and I said, and hopefully someone younger than Mel uh, Gibson would be playing the lead. Oh, gosh. And that was a long time ago when Mel was young. Was young, and we liked him then. <laughs> and more accepted. So, right. you know. <laughs> so, although now, you know, you could still get, like, some old guy. So. You know, it's amazing how they, they just, I mean, Harrison Ford, who would have thought it? I know. I know. I'll always have a little soft spot for him, that's for sure, though. <laughs> yes, there is. But, you know, remember Indiana Jones, didn't he start in World War II? Yeah. 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 So. So you know, yeah. Or maybe even before, technically, the war. Because he's maybe thirty years the, old. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning. Oh boy. That says something that I've been sitting there thinking about. That I'm the worst per- person to go to the movies with, because I'll be watching the movie and I'll be thinking they should have changed that scene around. This scene would have been better at more at the beginning of the movie. It's you know I'm I'm just obnoxious. Do you do that? I do sometimes. <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking. And the ending, I could rewrite the ending. <laughs> that would be. It would be great. And I'll get my editor brain here. going. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I think that's a sign that a person's a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I think almost everybody who works in this industry, in the publishing industry, has to have an element of storytelling. Uh, I've seen it even in the publicists. Yeah. Certainly in the art department. Certainly with the editors. I agree. You have to have a love and and just sort of an affinity for that. I think you're right. Every I think everybody, in one way or another. And I think sometimes I think yeah I know I know that the readers, the readers are you know they love a good story. They're storytellers in and of their own. That's what's so much fun on Facebook mm-hmm. is because we can interact with the readers and get to know them. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just joyful, just a joy. They are. And I think that it's that connection with the fans. Um, I think the romance industry does that almost, I would say, better than any other industry. Um, well, we happen to have wonderful fans. Mm-hmm. We truly do. And uh, I don't think there's any, any, I don't think there are readers that are better than romance readers. They also read across the board mm-hmm. because they're always just looking for a good story and they don't care where it comes from. That's how they come to romance. They're looking for a good story. Yep. But I grew up in a family of girls. I had four sisters. And we would sit around the table talking about romance novels the way a group of 
academics would wax on about Faulkner. Oh my gosh, that's fun. And, and, and you know, and there was a lot of really great books to talk about because romance was always pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were always a little bit ahead. They were talk, They were writing about you know secret babies. That sounds so um, like such a pat little trope. But you know, having a child out of wedlock when I was growing up back in the seventies and the, you know that was that was big news. Right. And in those romance novels, the women not only survived, they thrived. Thrived. Yes, mm-hmm. it's true. Love always wins. What's not to love? Nothing. <laughs> So um, before uh, before we wrap up, um, you had mentioned Scotland, and I know so many of your books and so many of your fans love your Scottish books. Um, you have traveled to Scotland. I didn't know if there was any fun or interesting thing, any interesting observation you had during your Scottish travels. <laughs> you know what? I, I really do like Scotland, and I married the name Maxwell. Uh, my husband's family is almost purebred. Scott Irish. I always say he gave my kids a pedigree. <laughs> uh, you know, they make out like a bandit on St. Patrick's Day. I'll bet. Uh, yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, you know, they, they, um, they're a family from Connecticut, um, I believe second generation. And uh, it was great. The first time I went to Scotland, I was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And it was like seeing my father-in-law in every pub. I mean, it was just, <laughs> you know, I just felt at home. It was just, it just the best feeling in the world. And I, they, they gave me a, a, a car, and I was driving across the countryside by myself, and I felt, um, I felt very safe. Uh, some people find the Scots, oh, a bit standoffish. I have never discovered that. Oh. Uh, they've always been very generous to me. Mm-hmm. And the latest trip, this is the, the last one was we, um, a group of writers and I uh, rented a hunting lodge, and we just had the best time. Because it was like, you know, being there with, 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 you know, these people full of imagination. Like one said, would say, oh, I want to go to this castle and we'd be crawling in and out of every crevice because she's taking notes right. of the next book. And, and then, of course, we all had to hit the, hit the pub. And uh, <laughs> we went, one of the funniest things is we went out uh, skeet shooting. Oh, what my gosh. That's what they call it. So you're out there over the moors and um, with a very handsome Scottish guy sitting this trying to get us to not kill him and he <laughs> the gun. And just, it was really something. It was, it was. Oh, my gosh. Something. That's great. Yeah, because we were, we're, we're um, you know, we might write about daring people who shoot guns, but in our crowd, at least, not that many of us were all that excited. We had some Texans with us, too. Mm-hmm. We weren't, weren't that excited, but it was, it was a beautiful day, an absolutely glorious day. So for anybody who's ever... Thinking about going to Scotland, they should email me. I'll give them a skinny on everything I know. <laughs> I just think I've been from the top to the bottom, and I've and places in between, and I've always had an adventure. Oh my gosh! Well, now I feel now I feel a vacation coming on. <laughs> oh, I think you should. I know. Actually, I, I think you should come down here. I think I think the times. I think you need another run through Virginia. Oh, I think you're right about that too. I'll have to work all this out. Yeah. To get more vacation time from my boss. <laughs> That's exactly what we all need. I need vacation time from my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm a taskmaster. 
Yeah, well, you know, I keep thinking we should have a, re- a uh, writer's retreat in Scotland. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be incredible? That would be incredible. You know, one of the things we did um, that time we went, uh, which is we had Carolyn Sparks was with us and Lorraine Heath, uh, they're both Avon authors, and uh, we met in the Holiday Inn. Carolyn has a lot of fans over there, and so does Lorraine, and I even had a couple. And so the day we left, we set out the word that we were here, and we had Scottish romance fans show up in the um, the lounge area of Holiday Inn at Glasgow Airport. Oh, my goodness. And we sat around and talked about books. Oh, my gosh. That's and wonderful. And that's the beauty of it. You know, you just get a bunch of readers together, and, and it's like we've known yep. each other forever. And, and all around the world. Yeah. It's the universal language. Yes. I mean, especially romance. Yes. People are willing to, people in other countries are willing to read us in English. They love reading us in their language. We love being in their language. But I have been just humbled by how many people are willing to, to read me in English. So. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Isn't it? I've been in there almost 25 years. It's amazing. I, I, I had no idea. I had no idea of the reach. It's a worldwide, worldwide reach. Absolutely. Well, Kathy, this has been so great. I would I would happily talk to you, you know, all afternoon, but we're running out of time. Well, it's great to, have, to be here with you, Lucia. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So the book is The Fairest of Them All. It goes on sale May 31st, 2016. It's the second in The Marrying, of, Marrying the Duke, but um, if you haven't read the first, you can read The Fairest of Them All or... Or, of course, go back and buy Marrying the Duke, uh, the first Marrying the Duke um, match of the century also. So, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us here at Avon on the Air. And um, this is Lucia Macro. We will all get together again soon. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Avon on the Air. This episode was edited by Nathan Rossborough with production help from Jennifer Monroe. The books featured in this episode are available for purchase wherever books are sold. We hope you'll join us next time as we hear more from your favorite authors, all brought to you by Avon on the Air.